You're watching A Journey Through Business with me, Jack Golden, and this week, well, this week, is, we're just coming out of Christmas. That's hence why I've got this sort of beardy look, lazy, non-shaving, beardy look. It's longer than it's ever been, and probably my head hair's longer. And it's just that sort of Christmas to New Year's Eve period where everyone's eating chocolates, putting on wheat, wait, letting themselves go, growing a beard, and that's where we're at at the moment. I'm going to do a book review this week. It's another property book. As you know, I'm heavily into my property books at the moment. I'm, that's what I'm reading predominantly. This one is called Property Investment for Beginners. And it's by a guy called Rob Dix. I first heard about this guy um, when I was listening to his podcast. He has a brilliant podcast, which he co-hosts with another Rob. It's called Rob Bentz. And it's called The Property Hub or The Property Podcast, something like that. And it is waz, guys. If you're listening, to, watching this video or listening to this, You've got to listen to their pop, uh, podcast about property um, if you're into it. The information they've got is they, they just give out so much good free content. And you can also subscribe to their email mailing list. They'll give you loads more education about property. They've both got websites. I think uh, Rob Dix has got another property podcast called The Property Geek. And he's got a website and loads of stuff that you can sign up to there. And then they've got regular property hub the property hub meetups which is all around the country people getting together and networking if that's your bag you know talking to other people who are involved in property in your area so I, let's jump into the book and i'll tell you basically from this book it is just for beginners but i'll just uh, tell you some of the pertinent points that jumped out at me while reading Start of the book it gives a quick explanation on what loan to value ratio means and what leverage is and it's, it keeps it simple, but it's good in that way. I like when authors can keep things very simple for you to understand. I actually think that that's, that's better than trying to use fancy language and make things complicated for the reader. Then he goes into gross yield, net yield and ROI, which are all methods of assessing a potential property investment and working out how much money it's going to make you, how sort of lucrative that potential investment is going to be. And the key one here is ROI which is return on investment, and this is the one that Rob Dix says he likes the most. And the thing about ROI is you can use it to compare how that investment compares to other possibly non-property investments or any other use of your money. In ROI, you basically look at how much the property initially costs you, how much money are you actually going to take out of your wallet and fork out for this property. probably won't be the full value of the property because chances are you'll have a mortgage. So it'll be that initial deposit, plus all the other fees, estate agent solicitor fees. Then you work out how much profit that property is actually going to make you over the course of 12 months. So if you've got a tenant in there, you work out how much re their rent is for the entire year, and then you take off all the costs, any letting agency fees, or if you're paying their bills or whatever, you take off all the costs and you work out the profit. Then it's simply, our, all our, our ROI is, is working out what that, profit is as a percentage of your initial costs to buy that property. Chapter four in the book is what Rob calls stacking a deal. And what I think that means to me is basically looking at a potential property and working out whether it's a good deal or whether it's a shit deal or how much you should be paying for that property and assessing what that property's real market value is worth. And it's funny in this chapter, it's funny to compare how things are now with Zoopla and Rightmove and so much property information just free to the public compared to how they were probably a decade ago when you'd have to pretty much rely on an estate agent to tell you what the value of properties are in that area. Nowadays, 
right move and super just make it so easy you can go on any street in the uk look up see a property that's being sold there and then immediately click on near nearby sold prices and you can see the historic the, the historical data of the sales prices that of all the other houses that were sold on that street i mean some people won't know that but the majority of people can see there it's just out there it's public information and it makes it so easy for a potential buyer to assess how much they should be paying for a, for a property. In the UK currently, there's a housing shortage. So the UK government has been, over the previous couple of years, have been constantly bringing in policies to slightly discourage professional landlord property investors and encourage first-time buyers and families to get on the property ladder. And I think that's probably fair enough, you know, people, your average, person needs to be able to afford a property in the country that they live in and it's no good if all the professional property investors are just snapping up all the properties and then just charging high rents for people to live in so i understand why the uk government are doing that and what's great about this book is rob dix is constantly alerting professional property investors to things they got to look out for and all the policies that the uk government have put in place so for example the stamp duty that a professional property investor, someone who's going to buy a property, put a tenant in there and hold on to it for the long term with the aim of having a passive income from that property, they're going to pay a higher stamp duty than your average Joe Bloggs buying a house for their family to live in. Um, also, a big change that has come into place and or that's being phased in is that the interest that a professional property investor pays on their buy-to-let mortgage is no longer a tax-deductible expense. So back in the day, you know, your professional property investor would buy a property, get a huge buy-to-let mortgage out on it, and they'd be renting the house out for, let's say, £12,000 per year, and they'd be paying back a buy-to-let mortgage that would cost them £8,000 per year in 100% interest payments. Now, those interest payments are not tax deductible. So in the eyes of inland revenue, that property investor is making a gross profit of £12,000, their full rent that's being paid by their tenant. So that's a huge impact to all professional property investors. There is a way around it whereby, and Rob talks about it, whereby if you incorporate, you become a limited company, then you can continue uh, deducting your mortgage interest payments as, a, as an expense. That's what I'd like to do. I'd like to form companies. I don't want to be a sole trader. I don't want to have the possibility of my house being taken away from me. I want to have limited liability companies. So eventually, once I, if I do buy any buy-to-let properties, I'll have incorporated before making that purchase. The biggest personal takeaway that I got from this book was when Rob Dix talks about interest-only buy-to-let mortgages. Or he's, he's enlightened me. Rob's enlightened me on this subject and why interest-only mortgages are the way forward. Now, there's two types of interest more. You've got a repayment mortgage, which is probably if you own your own home or your own family home that you're living in, you're probably on a repayment mortgage where it's a 25, 30 or 35 year term. And you're although you're paying the interest payments, you're also repaying that debt as well. And then after that term of 30 years or whatever, you've repaid all the debt and you own your property outright. Great. Why Rob Dix says that an interest-only buy-to-let mortgage is a better idea is because of the magic and the power of inflation. Now, what's inflation? 
Inflation is the gradual increase in prices of everything over time. You know, a pint of milk probably cost 2p at one point, and you probably all heard the story from your, your, your mum or your gran of how they bought the house down the street back in 1952 and it cost them 30 quid and now it's worth 200,000 pounds. The reason they, they, they didn't use any skill to do that, but the reason that's the case is because of inflation. Everything just, the price of everything just gets more and more over time. Don't ask me why you'd have to read an economics book, why it works out like that, but that's the case. Now, I'll give you an example. So Rob, why Rob Dix loves interest only buy to let mortgages. Let's say you bought a buy to let property, 100,000 pounds, and you got it on an interest only. In 20 years time, you still owe 100,000 pounds. All you've been doing is just paying interest that whole time. But in 20 years time, £100,000 will seem like fuck all. And you've still got that property. And the rent that you'll be getting from it will be way more than it was 20 years ago. And also properties of similar, similar nature to that on that street will probably be worth £500,000 or a million pounds because of the because of inflation over time, over that 20 year period. So that's why Rob advocates just get it interest only, don't repay any capital, that's just extra cash that you don't want to be letting go of, you want to take as much rent as you can and you want to be paying the minimal you can which means interest only rather than capital. I'm going to tell you about a rookie error that Rob warns against in his book and it's something I am 100% guilty of doing, not once but twice. The first thing I did when I was about to get my very first property was I started looking at properties and going to viewings. And funny old thing, I preferred the properties that were bigger, more bedrooms and more expensive. And that weird. It was only until later that I actually picked up the phone and started going to a mortgage advisor and ringing around the banks to actually see how much I could borrow that I realized that I was selling my sites way too high. I couldn't borrow enough money for hardly any of the properties that I was viewing. And I actually had to go for a really shabby rundown one bed flat in an area that wasn't that great. I've done it again. I'm doing an extension of this building that I'm sat in right now in my home. I'm doing an extension. I need an extra £50,000 to do the extension. I've already had the architect in. I'm about to go through planning permission. And I rang up my bank and said, right, I, I'm, this is a preemptive call. I just need to see how much cash I can get my hands on for this extension. I need roughly £50,000, but I've got quite a lot of equity in the property, so it shouldn't be a problem. She then said on the phone, actually, your mortgage that or the maximum that we're able to loan you is based on your income. So the additional money that we would be prepared to loan you would be £15,000. And I'm there on the other side of the phone like, oh, fuck, I need 50. No, 15. So I've done it twice. I've made the same mistake twice. Instead of actually working out what money I can get my hands on first and then looking at what can I can do, I'm doing it the wrong way around. One of the property strategies that is prevalent throughout Property books such as this, podcast, YouTube interviews, it's everywhere and there must be something in it because all these sort of property experts and gurus are all talking about it and Rob's no different. It's this notion of buying a property below market value, then doing a, a small refurb or big refurb and increasing its value massively and then refinancing to release all that cash that you put into it. I'll give you an example. Say you bought a property below market value, so you bought it, it it's worth £120,000, but you've got a motivated seller, they've got to get shot of it, they're desperate, time's against them, they take £100,000 for that property. You've already made 20 k 
you then get in there and you do a nice refurb or you work out how you can add a bedroom, add an extension, whatever, and you reckon that you've added enough value through that refurb to make the property worth £150,000. You then get a um, property surveyor in, and if you can show them your schedule of works before and after photos, they might agree with you that it is now worth £150,000. So that you can then go to a lender and say, I want to refinance, I want a loan to value, um, 75% loan to value mortgage on a £150,000 property. Um, so initially, that £100,000 that you paid for it, if it's a 75% loan to value, that would have been a loan of £75,000. But when they revalue re it at 150, and you get you'll get given a loan for 112 and a half thousand pounds. So you can use that 112 and a half thousand pounds to pay off your 75 thousand pound loan, and you've got 37 and a half thousand pound cash from that. So all the money that you put in for the 25 thousand pound deposit, and then all the money that you spent on refurbing the property, you've actually got all of that back, and then you take that and you use it for your next property somewhere else. A really interesting point in this book is when Rob talks about property auctions. And he talks about Homes Under the Hammer, it's a great show, obviously everyone in the UK, if they're interested in property, must have seen Homes Under the Hammer. And Homes Under the Hammer says that auction, property auctions are a great place to pick up a bargain. Now what happens when everyone thinks there's a bargain to be had? Everyone turns up at the auction, and before you know it, they're bidding against one another, and before you know it, that property has sold in auction for more than it would have just sold if it was sent to a regular estate agent. And there's a good story that Rob talks about where his um, a property investor, a very successful property investor he knows, who has started just selling properties at auction rather than buying them. He used to buy properties at auction, but now he actually uses auction houses as places to sell his properties. And when he was asked why his strategy was that was such. He simply said, back in the day, you used to look around the car park of a property auction and you see lots of vans and lots of builders' vans and builders in there looking to pick up a project. Now, when he looks around the car park, there's lots of nice, expensive family cars. And so that's his target buyer. And so that's why he puts his properties for sale at auction rather than on a standard. So people think they're going to get a deal at auction and that's just not always the case. And interestingly enough, Rob actually advocates befriending the estate agents. And I like that because most people sort of see estate agents as a bit of a um, needless or a bit of an annoyance or, or they've got some sort of bad attitude. I, I don't know why, but people have this bad perception of estate agents. But actually, if you can befriend them, they're the people that hear about the best details first often they often hear about it first they'll get the call first and they could maybe alert you to something before it even goes on the market so i'm i really like that idea of getting uh, you know getting friendly with a couple of prop, uh, estate agents so much so that i can get the inside goss from them i can get the deals i can get uh, their take on what a potential seller is actually willing to, to accept as an offer and yeah befriending estate agents and even the bad estate agents, that's the key as well. What he mentions is the worst estate agents are the best ones to buy from. Because if they've marketed a property really, really badly and they're just not very good estate agents, they're the best ones to go to because you might pick up a deal better there than if they're marketing a property really, really well. It's bound to sell for more than it's worth. But if they're doing a crap job, 
you might be able to pick up that property for less than it's actually worth. So, to sum up, I think this book is fantastic. I think Rob Dix and Rob Bentz's podcast is fantastic. I'm going to keep listening to that. I'm going to listen to the Property Geek podcast. I'm going to sign up to their email mailing list. And I've already downloaded Rob Dix's follow-up book to this. It's the Complete Guide to Property Investment. I've downloaded that on Audible. And I've already listened to the whole thing. And what I did straight away at the end of it, listening to it, I just put it on replay and I'm just listening to it again now because it expands on lots of the ideas in this book and it's a fantastic resource. Um, I'm also going to look into Rob Dix's company that he's set up called LendSwift or Swift Lend or something like that. I'm looking at different lenders and people who are interested in property and I want to try and get in contact with them and ask them about because there will be a point during this work that I'm going to do to this house here where I will need some extra money and I prefer to go to someone who I could, an individual who I could firm, form a long-term working partnership. I prefer it to be like that rather than just go to a sort of faceless bridging, bridging loan company. And that's that. This book's really got me thinking about what strategy I'm going to do. It really makes me think, you know, can I incorporate and form a company? Shall I be investing up north um, and get some cheap properties, uh, buy to let? regular source of income or shall I do flips on the site or shall I do both shall I do it what's the strategy going to be what's the long-term strategy for me and that's really got me thinking so it's a fantastic book